For Make Weed Make Sense, I'm Kenya Hunter. This is Episode 3. On December 4th, 2018, there was a city council meeting. It was about recreational marijuana. The city of Boston is having difficulty figuring out how to get it together as far as licensing and distribution goes in the marijuana business. People are frustrated with the lack of diversity in the industry. They are frustrated with the lack of expungement. There is so much frustration that people who sold marijuana illegally in the black market have decided to stay undercover. A number of people who shared their public testimony expressed one thing. They are fed up with the lack of social justice in the program, and they feel they deserve a say-so in the cannabis industry since they were already once a part of it. As young people say, keep it 100 right here. This, This industry already exists in and around our city, on Craigslist, on Instagram, and on text messages. And so the young men and women who are currently participating in this business are going to be put out of business. So the question is, how do we uh, deal with those issues um, through equity and uh, opportunity? There are a number of things to understand about marijuana. However, some things just can't be answered because it seems that Boston City Council can't make sense of the new provisions. And they want suggestions on how to make the marijuana business make sense, have social equity, and be safe. To seek some sensible answers as to what the cannabis industry might look like, I spoke with lobbyist Dan Delaney. Sure, I'm uh, Dan Delaney and I'm a lobbyist in Massachusetts. At first, Delaney was not a big fan of recreational pot. In fact, he completely opposed it. Well, I don't oppose it now. I really didn't like the way that the initial marijuana, uh, recreational marijuana law was was drafted. I think in general, ballot initiatives are a terrible way to to make a law because there's no back and forth Hmm. among the uh, the people trying to decide whether it's good or bad. So it's it's just one piece of law from one point of view. And if it it wins by one vote, then it's the law of the land. Um, I didn't like some of the home grow provisions. I didn't like. The, the lack of control that municipalities had uh, in, the, in the initial uh, version. Um, both those things were fixed when the legislature uh, took it up and, and created a similar but not the same law. So, they made, so the, the state legislature made a lot of improvements that made me much more comfortable with the, with the recreational industry. Um, what kind of improvements? Um, well, they created the Cannabis Control Commission. Um, prior to that, it was, it was going to be operated by the treasurer's office. The treasurer oversees um, the Alcohol Beverage Control um, Commission, and so they thought that, well, if you can do alcohol, you can you can do marijuana. That's the way that the um, that the ballot initiative was drafted. Uh, instead, they have a Cannabis Control Commission with five commissioners, and they're selected by the governor, the attorney general, and the treasurer. Uh, so you have a um, a more transparent and also a sort of a um, a broader range of views to to run the. One consistent complaint at the city hall meeting was that there are not a lot of people of color coming forward to apply for recreational licenses. Uh, 
Uh, my name is Commissioner Shaleen Title with the Cannabis Control Commission. I only have one statistic to share today, and it is a nauseating statistic. At our every meeting, the Commission reports on the demographics of our licensees and our agents, and as of our last meeting, we had issued 76 provisional licenses to businesses, and not one of those 76 businesses has identified as a minority-owned business. Good intentions and a fuzzy, unquantified attention to equity is not enough. So for me, the nightmare scenario is that we wake up in a year, we have a fully functioning industry, and we find that we did not meet our mandate, we did not meet our goal to have a diverse industry, and it will be too late to change it. To ensure equity, activists in the Cannabis Control Commission launched a social equity program, which apparently is not the same thing as an equity license. There's kind of two things that happen at the same time that sound very similar. So there's the economic empowerment applicants, um, and then there's the social equity program. Okay. And so part of the economic empowerment applicant, what you get for that is you get move to the, the front of the line in terms of them processing your application. So you don't definitely get one, and you there's not like a certain number set aside. But uh, if your company is, is majority owned by, by people of color, if you're operating in a um, one of the disadvantaged zones, they picked 29 cities and towns in Massachusetts that they labeled as um, disproportionately harmed by the war on drugs. And if you're, if you're from those communities, then you get you go to the front of the line, but there's there's no such thing as as an equity license per se. There's just um, you know you get a license. Once you get a license, it's just, it's just like every other license. Do you think Massachusetts is attempting to right the wrongs on the war on drugs? I don't. I think some people uh, like Commissioner Title, um, like a lot of the sort of activists around the industry. Um, as a social justice initiative, feel like that's something that should be done. Um, but I think it's, I mean, frankly, I think it's misleading to say that you can correct the, you know, the injustice and, and, and the harm that's been done in communities, you know, just by allowing a handful of people to, like, make a lot of money selling marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's a fairness is issue where, um, Communities of color should be allowed to participate in the industry. But I don't think that that sort of fairness issue should be mistaken for some kind of like reparations mm -hmm. or it makes the past go away because mm. I think there's a lot more to do um, around criminal justice reform than just just marijuana. And I get a little worried that people will say, well, you know, we gave Tito Jackson a license. So, you know, just like just like we elected Obama, racism's gone now. <laughs> we right. wash our hand. And, and I worry a little bit about about it, even though I think uh, there is really um, real social inequities around the marijuana industry, but around every industry. If you wanted to um, build skyscrapers in Boston, you'd have a hard time finding a person of color who was, you know, who was the owner or operator of Millennium Tower or something. The meeting had a turnout of about 100 people. From speaking with them, I learned that many of them are business owners, equity applicants, and people who simply want a say in the cannabis industry. Many of these people are of color, and many of them have operated their businesses in the black market. So the question comes up, who was this law really made for, and how can those in the black market come out and shape the legal market? 
I really look forward to a, like a well-regulated industry where, where, where the marijuana is safe and you know where it's coming from and you, you know it's not laced with you know X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had, this was maybe six months ago, they had this incident where people, like 30 people got sent to the hospital in New Haven because they'd all bought um, marijuana from marijuana slash synthetic marijuana from this guy in the park and like a slew of people went to the hospital like in one day. Um, and that's what you don't have if you have like sort of a wildly regulated, unregulated market. And I know some people have relationships with, with marijuana sellers and they trust them and they know them back and forth, but I kind of like a broader, um, a, a more regulated industry the same way I, I like food to be regulated and inspected and all that kind of stuff. But this well-regulated industry might call for people in the black market to start over. Nothing in the way the law is written or frankly in the way that, that they're implementing it is really helping people come from the black market into the legal market. I mean, there's there's some like small details where it's a little more permissive. So one of the things um, that you can't do in Massachusetts, if you have a felony conviction, um, you can't, like if I was convicted of, of dealing heroin, um, I couldn't get a marijuana license ever. I'm sort of disqualified off the bat. They've made exceptions for marijuana convictions so that you still, in theory, can either work in a marijuana facility or apply for a license. But there's there's no real program or plan to say, you know, there's, there's farms and greenhouses out in Western Mass where they've been growing and selling marijuana for years and years and years. No one's looking or helping them convert into from from illegal to legal. Um, and, uh, you know, I think what they're just trying to do is say, um, you're going to have to start from scratch, whether you've ever done marijuana before, um, sort of whether you've ever sold it before or, or, or not, you're still going to have to start from, from square one. Even without regulation, city officials are still having a bit of pushback on recreational marijuana. The Boston Globe stated the first recreational marijuana store in Boston may not open until the late fall of 2019. This is frustrating to voters in the city of Boston, considering that legalization of recreational cannabis is overwhelmingly supported, and the matter won 62% of voters in 2016. Uh, Marty Walsh has said that he accepts that it's the law now and he's going to go along with it, but his his both his personal background and his belief um, has him very, uh, he's, he's a recovering alcoholic, so he's very suspicious and aware of the potential for addiction across a range of substances and how that addiction sort of impacts families. It slowed the rollout in the city a little bit, um, not in a conscious way, but I think there's, there's a sense among city officials um, that the mayor really wishes this, this hadn't passed, and so there's no urgency. Uh, and because the city process is so complex, the lack of urgency to get it done sort of equals a very, very slow rollout instead of like a new, like normally that would be a neutral position, but because of how complicated the city is, it actually um, holds a lot of folks up. Boston is not the only town in the Commonwealth feeling the hesitation. The votes on recreational marijuana were split right down the middle in the majority of towns in Massachusetts. So with this came bans and more 
So with this came bans and moratoriums on recreational retail in the majority of the Commonwealth. So if your if your community voted yes, then you're allowed to say that and you want to have a ban, then you have to allow the community to vote specifically on that ban. And if they vote on that ban, then you can have a ban. But if your community voted yes, the city council can't just say, okay, we're going to do a ban. They are allowed to do um, temporary moratoriums in order to like develop their policy or develop the zoning. Um, but um, Attorney um, General Healy just rejected a new moratorium um, from a community that basically she said that you've dragged your feet. You've had, you've had more than enough time to, to prepare and you're using you're using the moratorium as an as sort of an end run so that you can have a ban without going through the process of getting a ban. So I think um, in the coming six months, you'll see a lot of these uh, moratoriums just disappear. While no one can truly know what the cannabis industry will look like in Massachusetts, Mr. Delaney says he hopes that one day the industry will be boring. It should be a boring business with a lot of players. You should have, it should be like a CVS. <laughs> um, and, but you should, there should be, or no, I think it should actually, ideally it would look like the restaurant industry or like the food industry. So you can go to the supermarket and buy food or you can go to a restaurant or you can order pizza in um, and you have that all across the state. I mean, I think that's what it would look like. Ideally, it would be um, inspected and safe, just like you hope your restaurants are. Um, but uh, but it, there would also be room for like creativity and different approaches and maybe, you know, maybe you want to run a cupcake shop, maybe you want to run a steakhouse, you know, and I think I think there's a lot of what you see in the West Coast and I you haven't seen so much here. There's a lot of product innovation, like people are doing interesting things with cannabis and how they prepare it and how they sell it and how. Um, and I'd love to see that sort of as the, as the industry matures. But it's a really it's a really young industry. And I think it's just there's going to be like growing pains and mistakes and corrections. And that's just part of the process. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. This has been Make Weed Make Sense. Thanks for listening.